0: You're listening to WJMSradio.com, where radio is reimagined. The Fired Up show starts right now. And welcome, welcome. Good afternoon. Good Monday afternoon, everybody. Welcome back to Fired Up, right here on WJMSradio.com, where radio is reimagined. This is Steve, and as it, every week I host the show we talk about What's going on in the political world here in the United States? So hope everybody is uh, rested after the weekend and ready for a great week coming up. And let's uh, get right into what's going on, shall we? All right. As always, we'll start out with the rundown of where we are with COVID. And we are at 34.1 million cases here in the U.S., 609,000 people have died from the disease, and 335.6 million people have received at least one or more doses of the COVID vaccine. That represents about uh, 48.8% of the American population which is fully vaccinated, and uh, about 56% which has received at least one dose of a vaccine. So we continue to make progress on that front. Uh, however, you know the the last few weeks uh, or a month or so have seen uh, the Delta variant making a uh, rage across the country, primarily as we're going to dig into here in a second, in areas of low vaccination rates, uh, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that, as well as. Um, the fact that uh, the coronavirus has uh, while it's not a political disease that is it doesn't check your voter registration card before it decides to infect you uh, it is having an outsize effect on one segment of the political population over the other we're going to talk a little bit about that as well so uh, buckle up and uh, let's dive into it all right so for starters um, Realizing that uh, currently there are three um, approved vaccines under the emergency use authorization from the Food and Drug Administration that are being used to combat the COVID-19 virus, and all three um, have been proven to be very effective against the alpha variant, that is the variant which swept across the country all through last year and into early this year, and um, according to scientific and medical reports are very effective against the new delta variant which is currently uh, moving through largely unvaccinated areas of the country and we're going to talk about that right now so you know although as we've been reporting week over week that the COVID 19 uh, pandemic here in the u.s has been going down overall What we have seen in the last uh, few weeks uh, and month is that the Delta variant, which is much more infectious than its predecessors, uh, is spreading uh, across all of the United States. And according to uh, news sources, um, COVID-19 cases are rising again in the U.S. and the Delta variant has been identified in all 50 states. Um, according to statistics, the Delta variant is now uh, responsible for more than 58% of new coronavirus infections in the United States. There's been an increase correspondingly in, in of hospitalizations. And one thing that has jumped out off the page about the, the hospitalizations for the Delta variant is that the majority, the large majority of people are either unvaccinated or partially vaccinated. So, you know, experts are calling for the fact that a, a partial vaccine for those that are on the two-shot uh, two regimen uh, is less effective by far than having both shots and being fully vaccinated. Um, as with previous variants, the Delta variant has spread across to many countries across the world, including most notably the the United States, I'm sorry, the United Kingdom where it is now responsible for about 99% of new cases. Uh, Confirmed infections with the Delta variant have uh, been doubling since June. The average is more than 24,000 a day according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention or the CDC. Um, the, the rise has been attributed according to the Delta variant being an estimated 60% more transmissible than the Alpha variant, and that's according to re- recent research studies. But the, the big driver appears to be uh, unvaccinated population being at high risk for infection. Uh, if this, it's reported that if this variant continues to move quickly, especially in areas of low vaccination rates, the U.S. could see a surge in SARS-CoV-2 infection. And that information comes from Dr. Miriam Smith, Chief of Infectious Disease at Long Island Jewish Forest Hills Teaching Hospital in Queens, New York City. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky issued a warning on this potential surge earlier this month. In a press briefing, she said preliminary data suggested that 99.5% of the people who died from COVID-19 since January were unvaccinated 99.5% and uh, it's you know it, it is a shame and, I, and there have been a few reports that have come out where uh, people from the medical community are saying that uh, pretty much anyone who is dying from COVID-19 uh, is more than likely a preventable death given the, the effectiveness of the vaccines and given the added benefit of the uh, health measures that have been recommended since the outset of the pandemic uh, almost uh, 18 months ago now. Um, so in comparison, if we look at the state of Missouri, which has a vaccination rate of 40.26%, uh, they have confirmed that coronavirus infections have almost doubled in the past two weeks. Contrast that with Vermont, uh, which reported only 32 cases on July 12th and currently has one of the highest vaccination rates in the country at 67.7%. These these findings echo what's been found in the UK, uh, which found that the Delta variant is twice as likely to lead to hospitalization. And both the AstraZeneca Oxford and Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines are being very effective in reducing this risk. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's clear that the message that's coming from the medical community is that, you know, the premier way to prevent getting COVID, either the original strain or the new Delta variant, is to be vaccinated. And according to a quote from uh, Dr. Walensky of the CDC, uh, she said, we know that authorized vaccines prevent severe disease, hospitalization, and death from the Delta variant. Uh, Dr. Theodore Strange, the interim chair of medicine at Staten Island University Hospital in New York, said that the data supports this conclusion. The safety and efficiency, I'm sorry, the safety and efficacy of the current vaccines are very clear these three vaccines do work to prevent disease and the spread of disease they are as safe as any other vaccines that have been in use although some side effects have been reported these issues are rare and treatable he told Healthline so you know it it's clear that uh, the scientific evidence is there that uh, all three vaccines are effective against the coronavirus and are also effective against the Delta variant. So the, the battles now seem to lie around people who for some reason or another are you know uncommitted to getting a vaccine, uh, do not believe in vaccines or whatever. And we're going to dive into that a little bit uh, shortly right here. So, what do the numbers tell us? Well, a study that was done in, in England uh, by Public Health England found that two doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine appeared to be about 88% effective against symptomatic disease and 96% effective against hospitalization with the Delta variant. Uh, the same study suggested that the vaccine was approximately 80% effective against preventing infection from the Delta variant scientists came to this conclusion after analyzing 14,019 people with an infection, 166 of whom were hospitalized in England. So, I mean, the numbers are in and the other two vaccines have equivalent numbers reported in uh, scientific and medical studies. Uh, What it boils down to is what I said a little bit earlier, that uh, right now with what's going on with the vaccines and both the alpha and delta variants of COVID uh, going around the country, Uh, hospitalizations and subsequent deaths from COVID-19 are all pretty much preventable through uh, being vaccinated. Uh, that's, That's a clear message that's been coming out consistently from the medical community over the last month. Uh, And the scientific studies seem to back that up. So that brings the question as to why in some segments of the population is vaccination rates so very low. And, you know, we're going to chat about that right here. So in an article uh, that came out Sunday uh, from CNN, Uh, entitled Doctors and Health Officials Say Their Latest COVID-19 Hospital Patients Are Unvaccinated and Increasingly Younger. Um, The article reports that over the past week, 48 states saw an increase in COVID-19 cases, with 30 reporting a more than 50% increase, and this data comes from Johns Hopkins University and it shows that low vaccination rates in some areas and increased spread from the more contagious Delta variant are making an already deadly virus even worse, especially for younger people. Dr. Catherine O'Neill, an infectious disease specialist at Our Lady of the Lake Regional Medical Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, told CNN's Aaron Burnett on Friday, this year's virus, and this is a quote, this year's virus is not last year's virus. It's attacking our 40-year-olds, it's attacking our parents and young grandparents, and it's getting our kids. And so understanding how different this is and that we can't take our experience from last year and apply it to today and assume that we're going to be okay is our biggest fight right now, close quote, and that's from Dr. O'Neill. So, you know, she said, and she's talking about her COVID-19 unit in Louisiana having more patients, Then she would have that having more patients she would have previously considered healthy than ever before, including people in their 20s. And stepping out of the article, if you recall, there was a lot of discussion and a lot of uh, information being spread about how young people were, you know, everything from immune to, you know, at, at worst, having extremely mild cases of COVID, even if they did contract the disease. Well, the Delta variant has has blown that out of the water as it is affecting many more younger people uh, in their their teens, 20s, 30s, 40s uh, than the Alpha variant did last year. Um, according to Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards, and this was a quote from Friday, said that since February, 97% of the cases and deaths related to COVID-19 in the state were among those who were not fully vaccinated. Nationally, the vaccination pace has been slowing, with less than half of the U.S. population, uh, now put at about 48.5%, fully vaccinated per CDC data. And it's the communities with lower vaccination rates that are at the most risk. So... You know it it has been and it is being proven by uh by real world evidence that being vaccinated is your best defense against covid19 both uh, the alpha and delta variants and you know keep in mind when you 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 hear talk about the uh, vaccines being less effective on the delta variant than they are on the alpha Keep in mind that at 80 and 88 percent in that range, uh, they are uh, about 50 percent greater uh, efficacy than the current uh, flu vaccine is against the flu that goes through the country every year. So, you know, it, it is you know, not perfect, but it is far and away better than other vaccines that are used to treat uh, other illnesses in this country. And um, the, the idea and the discussions that have been held, as I just mentioned, um, you know, are far-reaching and having far-reaching impact. Uh, in an article in Business Insider from the 17th, Utah's Republican governor said anti-vaccine rhetoric from some on the right is literally killing their supporters. All right. And this comes out of the argument that a lot of the hotspots for the Delta variant are in so-called red states, are in communities that are uh, overwhelmingly or, or um, very, very deep Republican areas and areas where the messaging that has come from the far right has been one of Uh, creating vaccine fear, creating vaccine skepticism, and fueling those people who are, quote, anti-vaxxers, close quote, uh, to reject getting the vaccination. Well, apparently, that seems to be the area of the country that the Delta variant likes the most because those areas are showing the highest percentage of infection, hospitalization, and increases in the death rate. Uh, among those that are not vac- vaccinated. And uh, the governor uh, said, Governor Spencer Cox uh, said in a news conference that the anti-vaccine uh, rhetoric, particularly, particularly from right-wing sources, um, has been, you know, the, the biggest harm to the state's uh, vaccination effort. Quote, I think it's ridiculous, close quote, Cox said after praising former President Donald Trump's Operation Warp Speed, quote, I don't think we can take credit for the vaccine and then tell people that there is something wrong with the vaccine. We have these, these, as he says, talking heads who have gotten the vaccine and are telling other people not to get the vaccine. That kind of stuff is just ridiculous. It's dangerous. It's damaging and it's killing people. You know, And obviously a reference to Uh, Some of the fact that, as been reported in the news, many of the political leaders, including governors of all 50 states, uh, have received uh, vaccination against the COVID-19 disease. And the fact that uh, even though he is uh, getting, and deservedly so, getting praise for the effort he put forward with Operation Warp Speed, former President Donald Trump, uh, received his vac- vaccine and did not tell anyone about it until the news was leaked uh, from you know, a source in the White House that he and his family had, in fact, been vaccinated. Yet even after that, he still would not come out on the side of encouraging uh, his supporters to go out and get vaccinated. Uh, or in those few occasions where he did talk positively about getting vaccinated the endorsement that he did give were half-hearted, uh, lukewarm, and uh, the effectiveness of them uh, was, by all measurements, uh, questionable at best. And, you know, that's in line with uh, the, the output that has come from conservative media outlets. Uh, the article talks about conservative media outlets and some Republican lawmakers have sought to cast doubt on the vaccines, despite overwhelming evidence, as we've just talked about, on their safety and effectiveness at preventing severe cases of COVID-19. In particular, the article calls out Fox News host, Tucker Carlson, uh, when he lambasted President Joe Biden's vaccine outreach efforts, saying he wanted to, quote, force people to take medicine they don't want or need, close quote. In another segment, he highlighted people who died after getting the COVID 19 vaccine, implying without evidence that the vaccine itself was, quote, killing them, close quote. Um, GOP Senator Ron Johnson has repeatedly emphasized rare side effects from the vaccine and spread those false claims about the safety and effectiveness of the shot. And the key point there is, stepping out of the article again, is yes, there have been some reported side effects. Uh, from the vaccine. There's no denying that that information is out there in the public sphere. However, the numbers and percentage of those side effects are infinitesimally small compared to the hundreds of millions of people who have gotten the vaccine. So the, the uh, conservative uh, side, the, the right, is uh, making a political weapon out of some very small numbers of people who have had some type of reaction or have had some type of side effect from the disease, um, you know. Yet what we still see is a number, a large number of the Republican-led states, those states that voted for the uh, former President Trump, and those states that continue to support. The Republican and right wing uh, political agenda are the places where the Delta variant seems to have found a fertile home for uh, being you know, spread and uh, contributing to the illness and deaths of people in those areas. And you know, some scientists are even saying it is likely that. You know, those areas could lead to a resurgence of an overall uh, infection problem here in this country, just as we have started to uh, come out from under uh, various quarantine related uh, restrictions that we've seen all around. We have uh, talked on this show over the past few months about the reopening of sporting events, the reopening of bars and restaurants. Uh, the the uh, lifting of restrictions on mask wearing and public gatherings in some areas, the lifting of restrictions on social distancing, all of the things that seem to go hand in hand with a trailing off of the uh, infection rate of covid. And now the Delta variant has come back uh, and, you know, are, is is very likely to put us back into that more restrictive footing that we saw and, and railed so, so fervently against just a few months ago. So, you know, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. But the, uh, the, the upshot is that the political and health conversations um, really, really uh, need to change their messaging, especially those that are providing a, a negative message about the vaccine or are conveying misinformation? Uh, an article in USA Today bears that that very point in mind, and this came out, um, you know, just the other day, and it talks about a surge of COVID-19 cases being fueled by unvaccinated Americans, as officials increasingly say, vaccine misinformation is leading too many people to forego the p- potentially life-saving shots. Um, the CDC is showing that U.S. vaccinations have steadily fallen since their high in late May. After millions rushed to get their shots in early 2021, the supply of vaccines now vastly outpaces demands. Uh, so, you know, this is now being talked about not just by medical and scientific professionals, but more and more we're starting to see more and more Republican uh, political leaders uh, beginning to reverse their messaging or are, are now coming out in favor of more and more people getting vaccinated, um, having seen the benefits of the relaxation, perhaps, of restrictions in their states and realizing that if the, if the virus makes a resurgent comeback here in the United States beyond what it's doing right now, Uh, they could go back into the economic hardship that they just literally came out from under the shadow of. Uh, You know, we continue to see, you know, politicians that are testing positive, um, you know, including and, you know, it's not just a Republican thing. Uh, It's been reported that three Texas House Democrats have tested positive for COVID-19 in Washington, D.C., according to Texas House Democratic Caucus leadership. They're among nearly 60 lawmakers who fled the state on Monday to break quorum in the House, part of an effort to block the passage of a GOP-led elections bill. And we, we talked about that in last week's show. Well, apparently three of those, uh, at least three of those Democrats have tested positive. Um, there are some other head, you know, subheads in the news article that talks about COVID-19 hospitalizations in Florida jumped 73% from mid-June, ending months of steady decline that began when widespread vaccinations became available. Um, You know, Canada has now surpassed the U.S. in its percentage of fully vaccinated residents, with the Canadian government reporting 50.04% of residents 12 and older now fully vaccinated against COVID-19. So, I mean, there are just... Um, You know, article after article that show that the benefits of being vaccinated over both the alpha and delta variants of COVID-19 are not fact are not fiction rather, but are are fact and are verifiable and provable. And, you know, finally, to to add a final comment to it, one of the the doctors and um, I believe it was Dr. Walensky. Or, or one of the doctors from the CDC said that and this was maybe a month ago that every COVID-19 related death that occurs from this point forward uh, should be considered as being nearly totally preventable uh, due to uh, the, the vaccination campaigns and everybody getting vaccinated um, and considering that we have lost over 609,000 people to this pandemic uh, that is a very powerful statement uh, to be made from the medical community and one that we the public uh, should really take to heart and put into our considerations so you know if you're having discussions with people that you know are opposed to the vaccine for whatever reason uh, it is really Very, very important to simply let them know that they should go and check the statistics on the number of people uh, who have been hospitalized and who have died uh, who were unvaccinated. Uh, Those high percentage rates could easily be reversed if more people got the vaccine. So there's some food for thought for you. Uh, Let's take our first break here. And you're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSradio.com. This is Steve, we'll be right back after the short break. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit CDC.gov. And welcome back to Fire It Up, right here on WJMSradio.com, where radio is reimagined. All right. So I wanted to get into the second segment and we were going to jump into a discussion uh, on uh, the Texas voting restrictions law and some of the reaction to it. But uh, something came across my news feed in between segments uh, as I was checking it that uh, literally leapt off the page at me. And, you know, it's one of those things that I just can't let go by without bringing it up on this show. Now, while it is not a purely uh, political subject, uh, it has some very deep and broad political ramifications, as you'll find out as we get into it. Uh, What I'm talking about, and if you go to uh, your search engine of choice and type in the word BLOCK, B-L-O-C-K, and the number 19, you will see uh, a series of articles come up uh, with one uh, near the top from Newsweek. It talks about a uh, gun that was developed by uh, Culper Precision, a company out of Utah that I guess specializes in uh, uh, weapons, and a gun that they were marketing uh, that looks like it is made out of Legos. Uh, and let me let me read some of the article, and then we'll we'll jump out for some discussion on it. Uh, they call it the Block 19, and the article's headline is Block 19 Makers Defend Selling Lego-Style Gun After Getting Overwhelming Amount of Hate. And as I, again, again, as I say, this came out late last week and showed up on my uh, news feed here in the studio. So uh, let me go into the article a little bit. Um, The makers of a controversial Lego-inspired gun have defended their decision to custom design a handgun that was built using Lego blocks. Utah-based Culper Precision first shared pictures of the Block 19 handgun on its Instagram page on June 24th, where the company said they designed it with Legos as they, quote, wanted the Second Amendment to simply be too painful to tread on. All right, let's um, jump out of the article right there. Um, I don't fully understand what they mean by that statement, where they wanted the Second Amendment to be too painful to tread on. Uh, so they designed a gun that looks like a toy. Uh, all right, so, you know, point one. Uh, but soon afterward, uh, the, the uh, Danish toy giant, uh, Lego, Uh, contacted Culper Precision to take the product down, which they later did. In a July 14 Instagram post, Culper Precision justified why it had created the custom-designed handgun and said it was, quote, about the process of freedom, fun, and responsible gun ownership. And I'll stop there for a second. Uh, How does having a gun that looks a lot like a toy uh, fall into the realm of responsible gun ownership, all right? And we're going we're gonna to dig into that point in a little bit. Getting back, the Post read, quote, We just wanted to extend a huge kiss to all the Block 19 haters out there. We have decided to take down the product after some communication with Lego. That uh, goes on to talk about they're concerned about the number of people who evidently grant their children unsupervised access to firearms uh, as all of this was about the process of freedom, fun, and responsible gun ownership. There's that statement again. Uh, It continued, yet there are millions of angry, freedom-hating people out there who wish to exercise their First Amendment rights. Thank you for your comments and responses. We've seen a lot of good and a lot of bad. Uh, you know as a result of this and if you if you pull up the article in Newsweek they have you know a picture of this this weapon uh, on display and you can see that it you know it resembles a Lego kit that you could buy and put together what would look like you know a a toy gun however this is actually a real weapon all right and you know the 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 idea here is, you know, this should not be a tongue in cheek treatment. This should not be something that is used as a statement, you know, either for or against the Second Amendment. And, you know, as as caveated, as I've said before, I support the Second Amendment and the right of legitimate gun ownership by you know, citizens of the United States uh, fully and completely. Uh you know, it's, It is clear that the vast majority of gun owners in this country are, in fact, law-abiding uh, owners who follow the recommended rules and regulations, uh, who follow the law, uh, who take care and pride in the possession and safekeeping of their weapons. Uh, granted, there are a lot of people out there who don't, and there is a lot of gun crime in this country as a result. But I do not hold with uh, eliminating the Second Amendment or making unreasonable changes uh, to the amendment, although I am in favor of some uh, moderation controls that have been recommended uh, for, you know, obviously for common sense reasons. But anyway, getting back into the article, uh, they received a ton of one star reviews, which actually lowered their overall fan rating uh, on Google down to about 3.8, you know, and just clearly, you know, a a firestorm of reaction from this, including uh, from uh, a woman by the name of Shannon Watts of Moms Demand Action, an organization that demands solutions to gun violence, calling the decision to make it irresponsible and dangerous. She said in a July 13th tweet, this is beyond irresponsible and dangerous. Even when guns don't look like toys, children's, children may use them. In 2021, we've seen over 165 incidents of unintentional shooting by children, uh, and close quote. And I'd add to that, um, if you can remember, in November of 2014, 12-year-old Tamir Rice was playing with a toy gun uh, in a park when police officers uh, rolled up on the scene and uh, stepped out of their police car and nearly immediately shot and killed him. Now, the toy gun he was carrying at the time, and if you look at the videos of it, uh, clearly has an orange tip, which since uh, federal law that was passed in 1983 made it required For toy makers, if they are creating a replica uh, handgun or rifle, to identify it as a toy with a bright fluorescent day-glow orange uh, tip that indicates that it is a non-firing weapon. It is a toy uh, specifically for that purpose to to eliminate the cases of mistaking uh, a toy gun for a real gun, whether it was for play purposes or for criminal purposes. Uh, So, you know, that law was put in place because, uh, uh, you know, many children were being uh, shot and killed by, you know, real weapons that they thought were toys. uh, And also so that police, when they came across, you know, a, a child or anyone else with a toy weapon, would easily and quickly be able to determine that it is non-lethal and therefore their response with lethal force was not necessary. So, you know, um, Lego reported to Newsweek that they contacted the company and that the company has agreed to remove the product from their website and not make or sell anything like this in the future. Uh, Newsweek also reached out to Culper to, uh, Culper Enterprises uh, call, sorry, Culper Precision for comment, uh, but none was received in time for the article. So, you know, a- as I said, it, you need look no further than the, the tragic events surrounding the death of Tamir Rice in 2014 uh, or the number of reports of uh, children being shot by children because they were playing with a real handgun that they thought was a toy. To make a handgun that looks like you built it out of a Lego kit, uh, I, I concur, it is the height of irresponsibility uh, to do that. Um, it, it, I, I, I can't, for the life of me, figure out what marketing advantage, what uh, uh, image advantage uh, making such a weapon would have. Uh, the, the whole idea of, of, you know, responsible gun ownership, it's keeping weapons out of the hands of children who are not responsible enough to handle them. Now, you know, it, it, it's one thing. And I have I have friends that live in rural parts of this country who, you know, have you know, taught their young children you know, as young as five or six years old how to handle weapons because, you know, w- guns, particularly rifles, are an everyday part of life in, you know, some parts of this country where, where hunting is widely accepted and widely practiced. So, you know, it is nothing unusual for, you know, uh, a, a grandparent to give their, their grandson or their granddaughter, you know, a 22 caliber rifle when they are you know, old enough and strong enough to handle it and understand the responsibilities of it uh, you know, from an early age. And you know, I, I support that. I, th- I think that's fine as long as the responsibility component is present. Now, as I said, you know, I, and I've said this on this show before, I do not own any guns. I do not have them in my household. However, I have, you know, shot many different types of weapons. I enjoy uh, target shooting. Uh, I think it is, it is a really, you know, cool hobby, uh, albeit a little bit expensive. But, you know, it is something that, you know, periodically I like to do. But, you know, I have not made a purchase of a weapon for, you know, other reasons, non-political but personal, uh, in in to to have in my household now you know being the the former spouse of a police officer uh, we had weapons in our household and you know both she and i took great pains to make sure our children understood the difference between a toy weapon and a real weapon and you know what a a weapon like that could do Uh, we kept those weapons secured we kept, you know, ammo separate. We did all of the required things to safely and responsibly keep firearms in our household and, you know, never had any incidents uh, among either our children or their friends, you know, and that that has always been part of my philosophy. You know, it, it is OK to legally and responsibly own a weapon, but part of that responsibility is to teach your children how to be responsible about guns and and gun ownership when they are old enough uh, to understand the concepts and understand the responsibility but getting back to this idea of building this gun that literally you could you could attach you know regular Lego toy pieces to um, is is to me I, I just I, I can't see a reason for it um, I, I Really can't. Um, I I just don't understand uh, the thinking that would go behind making a weapon like this. Um, you know what what comes after this? Are they going to have a SpongeBob uh, rifle? You know what? It, it it's it's just ridiculous. So um, that story came across my news feed. Uh, I'd love to know what you think of it. Uh, go search out the Block 19. And let me know what you think. Send an email to the show at firedupradio at yahoo.com. And give me your thoughts, you know, either either for or against. If you uh, don't see a problem with having a gun that looks like it was made out of Legos, uh, explain to me why. I'd love to hear your opinions on it. All right. So um, having digressed uh, on that story, let me get back to what I next wanted to talk about. And what do you suppose it might be? Well, it is about uh, more uh, response to the Texas legislature's uh, approach to voter restriction that's been going on. Uh, it seems like a week doesn't go by where we're not talking about one form or another of you know, some type of voter restrictions or vote access or ballot access or so forth. Uh, so this one comes out of Yahoo News. And it is about a poll that was taken that shows that Americans oppose the new Texas-style GOP voting restrictions, uh, preferring uh, the Democratic Party's uh, suggestion for reforms. And uh, this article came out on Saturday, uh, the 17th. And uh, to dig into it a little bit, and it, it starts off, as the national debate over voting rights intensifies, the Democratic Party's plan to safeguard ballot access is proving more popular than, uh, I'm sorry, more popular with the public than the type of restrictions being pushed by Texas Republicans. And this was according to a new a Yahoo News Ugov poll. And it goes on to say, in fact, the, the recent GOP restrictions tested in the poll garner more opposition than support while all of the reforms from a recent democratic proposal uh, attract more support than oppositions. And it goes on to give some examples. And it says, for instance, more than twice as many Americans favor, and that's 49%, than oppose, at 21%, a democratic plan to require at least 15 consecutive days of early voting in federal elections. In contrast, just 31% of Americans favor ongoing Republican efforts in the states to shorten the early or absentee voting period. Uh, 46% oppose such efforts. Um, but, you know, it, it talks about how many Americans also remain uncertain about whether they would ultimately support new federal voting rights legislation, underscoring the steep challenges ahead for Democrats to Determine to meet what President Biden described in a fiery speech Tuesday as, quote, the most significant test to our democracy since the Civil War. Uh, The survey of uh, 1,715 adults uh, was conducted from July 13th to 15th, uh, overlapped with a dramatic split-screen spectacle that saw Texas Democrats fleeing the state capitol to delay a vote on Republican legislation designed to further restrict voting at the same time Biden was in Philadelphia railing against such measures Uh, so you know that it it talks about you know there's an unfolding assault taking place in America today an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote in fair and free elections President Biden said an assault on democracy an assault on liberty an assault on who we are as Americans Uh, the poll found that more More Americans share Biden's priorities on reforming elections than those of his vanquished 2020 rival, Donald Trump, who continues to insist without evidence that he lost the election due to fraud and whose false claims continue to fuel Republican efforts to limit voting among largely Democratic constituencies. Just 28% of Americans, the vast majority of them Republicans, say, quote, the election was rigged or stolen from Trump, close quote. And more Americans believe that, quote, people who should be allowed to vote not being allowed to vote is a bigger problem, and that ranks at 45%, than people voting who shouldn't be allowed to vote, and that ranks at 39%. And, you know, it it just shows that like everything else in American politics, um, this issue of voting rights is now highly polarized, which has 16% of Republicans saying Joe Biden won the election fair and square, and just 11% saying that curbs to legal voting are a bigger problem than widespread voting fraud. Uh, Yet, independents also side with Biden and against Republicans on both questions by nearly identical margins as Americans overall. So, you know, what what does this all boil down to? You know, it it talks about, on one hand, there are bills like Texas, which are popular with Republicans, but not with the public as a whole. Uh, None of the most common GOP restrictions attach the supports of more than 36% of all Americans, and opposition outpaces support across the board. By a 12-point margin, those surveys said they did not favor making it harder to vote by mail. By 8 points, they were against banning or cutting back on mail ballot drop boxes. By 15 points, they did not approve of the shortening, or early, uh, uh, shortening of early or absentee voting periods. By 8 points, they did not favor giving more power to partisan observers to police polling places. And by 40%, they rejected the idea of making it harder to vote early in person. Again, independents oppose all of these measures by margins similar to Americans at large. So, you know, some of the other features of this, um, one of the other things that were polled polled for and were brought forward uh, by West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin um, and, uh, and endorsed by former President Barack Obama, in contrast to the Texas bill and others like it, All of Manchin's provisions attract more support than opposition, and they include making election day a national holiday so people have time off from work to vote. 63% support this, while only 19% oppose it. Banning partisan gerrymandering, the practice by which politicians redraw congressional districts to help their own party win. 50% uh, support, 24% oppose. Requiring at least 15 consecutive days of early voting in federal elections, 49% in favor, 21% opposed. Requiring voters to show some form of identification before casting a ballot, such as a utility bill with their name and address on it, 61% in favor, 20% opposed. Blocking new election laws enacted by state or local governments with a history of racist election practices until those laws are approved by federal courts or the Department of Justice, 44% in favor, 27% opposed. And allowing states to purge ineligible voters from their roles using state and federal documents, 47% in favor, 20% opposed. When asked if they would would favor or oppose a bill that includes all of those reforms just 17% of Americans say they would oppose it. The rest either say they would favor it, and that's at 40%, or that they're not sure, which is at 42%. Strikingly, Democrats, representing 33%, and Republicans, 29%, say they would favor the package by similar margins perhaps because the Manchin Compromise includes some rep- Republican priorities such as voter uh, identification, but uncertainty still remains high." So, you know, it, it, it boils down to there is still this ongoing back and forth, this uh, politically fed polarizing debate on how our election process is supposed to be managed and run. Uh, and Once again, as we've said on this show numerous times, uh, apparently the political parties are not paying attention to the will of the American people, not just their own bases or not just their own political uh, sides, but the American people as a whole, as these numbers point out. Uh, In other words, uh, Democrats have a more popular voting plan than Republicans, but they don't have the votes in the Senate to pass it or the kind of decisive public support that could compel these votes and something else that we have said and some and we have made one of our calls to action is to reach out and communicate with your elected officials both at the local state and federal level on where you stand on these these uh voter access uh proposals uh don't just let you know the laws be proposed by one political wing or another and get voted in without providing your feedback into the equation. Uh, as, as we've said, you know, they work for us, not the other way around. Uh, if enough of us uh, express our thoughts and our concerns in a loud enough, unified enough, and consistent enough manner, then the politicians will, in fact, Find ways to appease their voters or realize that they risk being voted out of office in the next available election. Uh, and, and we as the electorate, as the people who vote, need to exercise that power more frequently and more forcefully. So that's, that's our call to action this week. Um, also adding a call to action to uh, communicate to your Federal legislators that some form of uh, uh, amendment or attachment to the 1983 toy gun bill needs to be made to strengthen that uh, specifically in light of the uh, the gun I talked about at the start of this segment, the so-called block 19. That looks like it's constructed from Legos. Um, I I shudder to think of seeing a a trial of a police-involved shooting of a young child uh, who was brandishing a a toy weapon, uh, who said uh, in their defense that they were confused because they thought it was a toy, and you know the defense attorney shows a picture of this weapon to bolster that argument. Um, you know it, it is bad enough that we have so many children being killed through gun violence, uh, without giving you know this this cause for quote reasonable doubt close quote uh you know um, um any more uh fuel uh, than it already has so i'll post a link to the article on the block 19 on my webpage and that's uh, on facebook at fired up radio and we'll uh, wrap up our discussion for this week thank you as always for tuning in This is Steve. You're listening to Fired Up right here on WJMSradio.com, where radio is reimagined. As always, I thank you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please get vaccinated if you have the opportunity. And I look forward to speaking with you all again in seven days.